Today is Vision Sunday, so if you're visiting with us for the very first time, typically I don't sit in this chair, um, so uh, this is a little unusual for me, but I'm going to sit here for a while because it feels good. And, um, you know, in the Old Testament, the priest would sit and the people would stand. And uh, if you read the book of Ezra, you'll find out that Ezra read one day for uh, six hours. And so the people had to stand for six hours. How would you like to go to church like that? You're like, I wouldn't. <laughs> but anyway, we're in the comfort of these seats today and heat and all of these things. God's good to us. But I, I do want to talk about um, Vision Sunday. So let's pray and we'll get right into this. Father, I thank you for this opportunity this morning. I thank you for the privilege to be here. I thank you for, Lord, I just thank you for gifting us with so many precious people. I thank you for what you're doing in my life, my family's life, at LifePoint Church. Um, I thank you for our past, but I'm really excited about our future. And um, we give you honor and we praise you and we glorify you. For without you, none of this is possible. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. You know, as we began this year, um, I wanted, uh, I just wanted us to carry a word. I wanted us to start with a word for the year. And um, something that we could carry throughout the whole year. Because many times when you make a resolution, which we all have done, many times when you make a resolution, uh, it begins to crumble and fall apart, they say, within 10 to 15 days of that resolution. And uh, after that happens, you know, you kind of forget about the resolution that you made and you just kind of move on from it. I see that. I see that uh, in the gym that I attend. Uh, as you can tell, I work out a lot, but you can... Um, but, um, yeah, Chubbs, so, um, but uh, you'll see that because, uh, you know, the beginning of the year, you can't find the parking spot, you can't find a locker, you have to wait to get on any of the machines, and, um, you know, we have the saying, some of us old timers that have been there a while, it's like, just wait, give it a month, you'll get your parking, lot, or parking uh, space back, your locker, and you'll just walk up to whatever piece of equipment you want to do. And that is true. That happens. And so typically, you know, resolutions don't work. So what I asked us to do is um, just to take a word as a church. And um, the word that we have adopted this year is the word shift. And, um, you know, the synonyms for the word shift, one would be change. And anytime you say the word change, people kind of cringe when you talk about change. You know, that, that, that's a word that we kind of like to stay away from. And then there's a little softer version of that. It's the word transition. You know, we're just going to transition. It's kind of smooth and, you know, silky. We're just going to transition into this. And then, but then I, I said, you know, that's a little too, too uh, easy. And so we just felt like the word, the Lord put this word shift in us. It has a little bit of a sting to it. And, um, but we just want to hold on to this word this year. And, um, Webster describes shift as a move from one place to another. And we're excited this year because we are moving from one location to our permanent location. I think it's our permanent location. And, um, 
And we'll be sharing some things with you in the near future about where we are on the building. Uh, you heard uh, Marisa and Adam talk about our Dream Team rally is going to be there. So I want to encourage you to be there on February 8th. But uh, we're making a shift uh, in locations. Uh, it also means a change in position. It means uh, a change in uh, direction or in a tendency. And so when you think about that, what I want us to kind of get in our minds is, I want us to think of where we are, in other words, what it is, and then what could it be? So what it is, where you're at in your life right now, but what could it look like? What might it be as we get to the end of 2020. So each and every one of you should have received a card like this. If you didn't, you can get one on the way out. And uh, it's just got our word of the year on it, shift. And uh, maybe you already know what that shift is going to be in your life. Maybe some of you are still praying about what that is going to be. But uh, as I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, rather than trying to just get an exhaustive list of things and get discouraged because you've not moved one of those things, let's just think about one thing. Remember, Paul said, this one thing that I do. David said, this one thing that I desire. Jesus told Martha, you, you, just, you neglect just one thing. He told the rich young ruler, he said, you need to do one thing. And so if you can just get it in your spirit, get it in your mind that this is the one thing that I'm going to shift this year, and then make that shift happen, okay? Make it happen. And so you can write it on the back here, write it on the card, and put it somewhere where you can see it. I would encourage you to review this. I would encourage you to pick it up maybe once a month, look at it, find out where you're at, where you want to be, and start tracking yourself on that. I would also encourage you to, once you settle on this, is to find an accountability partner. I want you to find somebody who will hold you accountable to this and, and ask you, periodically. Where are you at with this? What's going on in your life? Amen. So I want you to want you to kind of get that in your spirit for the year. We're going to visit this throughout the year. So this is not the last time you're going to hear about it. We're going to visit it throughout the year. We're going to measure some of the shifts that we're making as a church, because often it's the small things that no one sees that results in things or big things everyone wants. The small things that you do that no one sees results into the big things that everyone sees and everyone wants, right? And so those are the things I want you to be working on. Write it on the card, hold it, and let's talk about it as the months and the uh, days go by. So the second thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is I want to talk to you about culture. And uh, what, what is it? What is it? The, what is the life point culture? Because everything has a culture. Your family has a culture, whether you realize it or not. Your business has a culture to it. And so I want to talk to you about what life point culture looks like. Because six years ago, when a handful of us sat down in our living room and began to talk about church, began to talk about this idea, this concept of starting life point church, we asked ourselves, what do we like about church? And we had a little whiteboard there. And so we drew, drew a line and we started talking about things that we liked about church. And then we said, well, what are some of the things that we don't like about church? And uh, unfortunately, the list was longer on the things we didn't like about church uh, from the things that we liked about church. But we felt like what we liked about church, what we thought church should be, what we thought church should look like, would eventually outweigh 
the negative things that we've experienced in church because all of us have experienced negative things when it comes to church. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's been a negative experience in your life. Well, that doesn't mean that you quit church. That doesn't mean that you give up on the church. It simply means that you shift, you adjust, and you find that place where you can grow in the grace of God. And so we talked about what that would look like. We talked about what kind of culture that we want to create uh, at LifePoint Church. And so what we learned is, over the years, is that um, culture is created by design or default. So in other words, if you don't do anything, you're going to create a culture. It may not be the culture you want, but you will create it. So we would rather design what we want than to let someone else design what we want LifePoint Church to look like, to be about. Uh, you don't get the culture you want. You get the culture that you build, okay? That's, you know, that's, that's like with family. You don't get the family you want. You get the family that you build, so what kind of culture are we creating? Another thing that, that uh, you may want to think about when it comes to the term of culture, uh, if you permit it, you promote it. So if you permit tardiness, <clears throat> then you promote tardiness, right? Don't look, I mean, just look at me. It's okay. It's all right. We're, we're family. We can do that. Um, so whatever you permit is what you are promoting. And so some of the things that, that we want to promote are things that are going to build, some things that are going to grow, some things that are going to bring forth fruit in the kingdom of God. And so when we said, let's, let's create this culture, when we set out uh, to create a culture of LifePoint Church, we said, we want a simple church. Uh, I've been in complicated church. Uh, I've been in church where it's, it's, you have to jump through all of these things just to be a part of church. And I really don't think that's the concept or the idea that God had in mind when he talked about building his church. I really don't think that's what God had in mind. Um, so, you know, one of the things we said was we don't want to be Walmart. Because you can go to Walmart today and you can get your taxes done. You can get a haircut. You can get your eyes examined. You can have lunch. While you're having lunch, someone can be shopping for your groceries. And while you're having lunch and someone's shopping for your groceries, someone can be changing your tires. Right? So we said we don't want to be the Walmart church, all right? We don't want to try to do a whole lot of stuff average. But we want to focus in on a few things that we can do with the spirit of excellence. I believe that's why there are different churches uh, even within our community. Not one church is designed to meet every need. Right? We're not in competition with other churches. We're not better than other churches. This is what we believe God has outlined and what God has put in our spirit. It doesn't make other churches wrong. This is just simply the way we want to do church. And we said, let's have a simple approach to church, right? Make it simple. And so part of creating a culture is identifying what you value. And so some of the things that we value at LifePoint Church is we value the Word of God. So we're going to teach the Word of God, we're going to preach the Word of God, and we're going to live by the Word of God. We're going to follow God's Word. We value Jesus, right? So we value Him, and we're going to follow Him. We value the Holy Spirit. 
Therefore, we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. He's going to be our teacher. He's going to be our guide. He's going to lead us into all truth. We value people. We believe that everybody matters. People matter to God. So we value people. Therefore, we're going to love people. We value relationships. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Therefore, we value connection. We value community. We also value serving. And so we value us finding our spot in our place in the body of Christ. And so one of the things when we said, okay, let's create this culture of LifePoint Church, one of the things we talked about is we want people to experience God. We want people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when people come to this church, we want to make sure that we are preaching God's word, we're following Jesus, and we're being led by the Holy Spirit, right? And we're loving on people just the way they are. We're not asking you to clean up and come to church. We're asking you to come just like you are. Because we believe that if you encounter the God that we've encountered, that you won't stay the same way. Come on, church, help me out. That you will not stay the same. We believe that if you'll get in the presence of God and if you'll have an encounter with God, you'll never be the same again. I've experienced that. There are many in this room that have experienced that. And so it's just coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's that ankle-deep water that I talked about last week. Remember Ezekiel 47? Stepping into the water, getting our feet wet. It's the ankle deep uh, experience where we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and we begin to flow in his amazing saving grace because here's what they tell us 83% of conversions happen inside the church. 83% of the people that are saved happen in a church service. Therefore, we better know what we're doing. We better be teaching the word of God. We better be following Jesus. We better be loving people. Why? So that they can have that experience and encounter for them place, for, their, for themselves. And so we want to create a place like that. A place like people like David. Wave at us, David. He's right here. I told you he'd be in the second service. David, who came to Life Point Church, I want to put a face to what I'm talking about, who came to Life Point Church around Father's Day. Am I right about that, David? Father's Day of last year, the very first time ever coming to a church. Not knowing what to expect, not knowing what's going to happen, but immediately his walls began to come down because of you. He later wrote us and talked about how he felt welcomed, how he felt received, how people uh, reached out to him and how people extended, you know, uh, uh, their hand of grace to him and how that he, he felt like it was a place that he could come and be who he was. And so David just continued to come to church and he come to the place where I gave an altar call one Sunday morning and David raised his hand and said, I want to give my heart to Jesus. And for the very first time in his life, he came down to this altar and took his first step and gave his heart to Jesus. Guys like Dan, Dan, raise your hand right here, who just showed up on kickoff Sunday uh, because Susan invited him to come to church. It was kickoff Sunday. It was a, uh, we, we said we're having a party and we had a tailgate party, but we really had a, a, another motive behind that. We were trying to create, as we do with all of our special events, thus 
uh, the Super Sunday party coming up next week. We're, we're trying to create events where you can invite your friends and family to come and experience God. So next Sunday would be a really good time for you to invite someone to come to church. How many services next Sunday? You better get here early. 10 o'clock next Sunday. And so, so guys like Dan can come to church and he shows up early and um, we're setting up for kickoff Sunday. And so like we do with every first time guest, we put him to work. Dan, can you help us set this up? And he was more than willing to do so. No, we don't do that with our first-time guests, but he offered. And so, yeah, we were shorthanded. So we said, yeah, Dan, help us out if you would, please. Another, another for the first time, for the first time ever attending a church, but being made to feel welcome and received and experiencing Jesus and there came a time where Dan lifted his hand and said, I want to give my heart to the Lord and accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And he came down and he gave his heart to the Lord. Now he's part of our parking lot team and he's helping others come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Or maybe, or maybe the people that I didn't get to mention today, the 169 other people that said, I want to give my heart to Jesus last year or I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Last year, over 169 people experienced God either for the first time or a rededication in their life to the Lord. 28 people said, I want to be baptized. I want the world to know that Jesus saved me and now I'm following him. And we're believing that God is going to double that this year. We believe for 56 baptisms and beyond. Amen. We're believing that this year, that the best is yet to come. Our church grew from 2018 where we averaged 250 people in, a, in our worship services to last year we averaged 360 people in our worship services. That's an increase of 110 people coming to church. Come on, somebody. Let's give the Lord praise. We are believing that God is going to push us over to that 450, 500 limit or 500 barrier as we enter into 2020. You know why? Because every soul matters. Every soul is important to the kingdom of God. And you, you better believe we count because you count. Come on and put your hands together and give God praise. So we want you to experience God and we want you to continue to experience God. One of the ways that you can know God better and continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord is to take your second step at LifePoint Church. And your second step at LifePoint Church is simply this. We want you to connect with a group. We want you to get involved in community. Our goal was not only to create a place where you can experience the presence and the glory of God, but also to create a place where you can cultivate authentic relationships with other believers. You and I were not meant to do life alone. God created us as relational beings. When God breathed the breath of life in Adam, Genesis 2-7, when God breathed the breath of life who made Adam a living being, a living spirit, Adam knew God. Adam had an experience and an encounter with his creator. But yet then God said this about Adam. He said, it's just not enough for Adam to know me in the context of where he is in his, in his life. Yeah, it is when you're talking about going to heaven. But God said this about Adam. God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. How many of you know it's not good for us to be alone? It's not good for us to do life 
alone, separated by ourselves. One of the worst things that can happen to a, a human being is to be put in solitary confinement. One of the worst punishments that you can find. And so God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. So what did he do? God created Adam a helpmate. The Bible says this, that two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not easy, easily broken. And so even in the garden, you see God in community. You see God, and you see Adam, and you see Eve. You also see Jesus because you see the Word in operation, and you also see the Holy Spirit because the Bible said the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, and God spoke. So even at the very beginning, God was modeling for us the context of community. Let me give you a reason why God doesn't want us isolated and why God doesn't want us separated and doing life by ourselves because we are vulnerable spiritually when we try to do life by ourselves. First Peter 5 and 8 says this, the devil who is our adversary is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you've ever watched a, a discovery uh, show when, uh, when a lion is seeking its prey, but have you noticed that he doesn't attack the whole herd? He waits until one of them separate themselves from the herd. And when it separates itself from the pack, then the lion pounces on that one that has separated itself from the pack. We are more spiritually vulnerable when we get disconnected from the body of Christ. When Eve was alone, she fell. When Elijah became depressed and even some say suicidal, the Bible said that he was by himself. If those two scriptural examples don't give you, get you, let me give you another one. The Bible says that the banana that gets separated gets it's peeled and eaten. Just checking to see if you're listening to me. Just nudge your neighbor and tell them that's not in the Bible. Tell them that's a fact check. That's not in the Bible. False news. It's not in the Bible. But what I've seen happen is many Christians who, who experience God, take that first step with God, what I see happen in their life, and, and I've been pastoring over 25 years now, uh, is if they don't get connected, then they fall away. If you fail to make a connection, the Bible says this, it says, woe to the one who falls and there's no one there to pick him up. There's no one there to support them. There's no one there to encourage them. There's no one there to pray for them. And so we have some great groups here at LifePoint Church. We've created and are continuing to create a culture of groups. And we have some great leaders. And one of the groups that I just want to highlight today, and there's so many I could, but one of the groups that I want to highlight today is our men's group. They meet on Wednesday night, and they meet uh, over at our new property and Sam, is Sam here in the, Sam is right back here in the corner, and he does a phenomenal job leading this group, anywhere between 15 and 30 men who show up and be a part of this group. There was a, uh, I'm not going to, this is not his real name, but let me tell you the story about Johnny. Johnny came to this group broken. He came depressed. He was lonely. He had nobody in his life to help pick him up, and he was at a low point in his life. He was separated from his wife and his children, and he had hit bottom. And he just came to the group, and he began to connect with this men's group. 
The guys loved on him. They prayed for him. They encouraged him. And they prayed together that his family would be restored. They began to create what I just talked about, a threefold cord, because it's not easily broken. And as they begin to pray this threefold cord, and as they begin to grow together as a community, things begin to shift in John's life. And guess what? Long story short, today he's back with his wife. His children have a mother and father in the same house. They're working on their relationship. God is moving in their lives. And it started all because he found a group that cared about him, that was willing to pray with him and agree with him until God would move in that situation. I'm telling you, life is better when you find someone that you can do life together with. Do you believe it this morning? See, some of you have gotten in the habit of where all of your relationships are virtual. They call it social media, and you're not even with anyone. The only thing that you're social with is your phone. Ooh, it's quiet. How many of you know this is not a person? You may contact another, but this is not a person. There's nothing social about social media. You need a person. You need someone who can look you in the eyes someone you have a relationship with, someone that when you're struggling with an area of your life, you can say, hey, look, I need you to pray for me. I need you to hold me accountable. Your phone can't do that. You're not gonna build those kind of relationships on your phone. How many of you know your phone is never gonna tell you, you're not doing well, you need to turn me off? <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. Right? And I don't know if you've noticed it, but it seems as though what they're trying to do, what society's trying to do, is to keep us more inclusive, isolated. I said it a couple weeks ago. You don't have to go pick up your groceries. You don't have to go pick up if you want something uh, delivered to you. You can, have it pick, you can have it delivered to you. You don't have to leave your house. Some of you, you don't even have to leave your house to work now. But I'm telling you this. I don't think God designed it that way. As a matter of fact, I know God didn't design for us to just seclude ourselves in our, in our little homes, right? God wants and desires for us to do life together. Last year, 240 of you said, I'm going to do life with somebody else, and you were part of a group. That was 18% above the previous year. We are believing that God's going to give us 400 people that are going to participate in life groups this year. 400 people. We're believing that. We're getting ready to introduce next week. That's why you need to be here next week. N nudge your neighbor and tell him, wake up. You need to be here next week. Super Sunday. We're going to launch and reveal 24 groups, 29 total groups. Some are outreach groups, but 29 groups that you can get involved in, 29 groups that you can create a community with. And we all need to participate, and we need to be a part of that. Can I get an amen? Come on, you can do better than that. 
You need somebody in your life when you holler, help, they can hear you. They can hear you. The third thing that I want to talk about are gifts. And this is about discovering our gifts. Remember, creating a culture. Remember uh, ideas and attitudes and values. And so we value service. So we have God, we have groups, and we have gifts. And this is one of the more challenging parts of of the culture because they tell us that nine out of 10 Christians really don't know what their purpose is. We can help you with that. We can give you some things today that can help you with that. Here's the first thing you need to realize that your primary purpose, my primary purpose is to glorify God. You and I are on this earth to glorify God. That's our primary purpose. What you do is secondary. But your primary purpose is to glorify God, right? One of the ways that you glorify God is becoming more like Christ. And here's what I know, that we cannot become more like Christ unless we learn how to, how to humble ourselves and become a servant. For the Bible says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but rather he came to be a servant to all and to give his life as a ransom for everyone. So what does that look like? What does that look like at LifePoint Church? Well, it means that I'm putting the needs of others before my needs. And this is what I know about God, that when I put other people's needs ahead of my needs, then God will make sure that my needs are met as well because that's the kind of God that we serve, right? Give and it will be given back to you. So when you're giving and serving and you're meeting the needs of others, then God's going to make sure that, that he uses or allows people to give back and pour back into your life and be a blessing to you as well. Before Jesus gave his disciples the title of apostles, before they were deemed that, before he gave them a title, he gave them a towel. And he modeled it for them when he humbled himself and he got on his knee, knees and he washed the disciples' feet. We're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're talking about our Lord and Savior modeling servanthood for us. It wasn't above him. I get a little afraid for a person who thinks that there are certain things that are above them when it comes to serving. I'm above that. Oh, really? I wasn't this mean in the first service. <laughs> Lord, whatever, you, whatever you're calling me to do, whatever you're asking me to do, I'll do it. I'm here to glorify you and to magnify you. And you'll go further in the kingdom of God with a towel than you ever will with a title. If you're waiting on a title to do something, <laughs> pick up your towel. Where can I serve? What can I do? How can I help? How can I make a difference? The Bible, the Bible says that your gift will make room for you, not your title. Your gift will. 
Whatever your gift is, and you all have one, whatever your gift is, if you'll start exercising that gift and using that gift, God will open doors for you. I'm not just talking about doors in the church. I'm talking about doors at work, doors within the community. Your gift will make room for you. You believe that this morning? Well, come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. That's why we encourage you to discover your gifts, and one of the ways we help you do that is go through growth track. You hear us talk a lot about growth track. That's a pathway to get you on or in LifePoint Church. It's just a pathway to get you going. I'm not asking you to become a member of LifePoint Church. As a matter of fact, I don't know that we've ever taken members in. It's a little different. I'll tell you what I am asking you to do. I'm asking you, when we ask you to take growth track, is we're asking you to partner with us to make a difference in somebody's life. Make a difference in David's life. Make a difference in Dan's life. Make a difference in the 169 people who said yes to Jesus and no to the devil last year. We're asking you to partner with us and make a difference in somebody's life. Last year, 86 people said, yeah, we want to partner. We want to, we want to partner with LifePoint Church. And they went through growth track. That's a 40% increase from the year before. We believe God's going to give us 120 this year. Come on, somebody. We believe he's going to give us 120 this year. I just realized that, and it dawned on me that that number 120, that's how many people gathered in the upper room. 120 people gathered in the upper room, and that's when God poured his spirit out upon them that day. And from that moment on, the church was birthed and began to change the world. I believe this 120 people that's going to be added to the already 182 Dream Team members who served faithfully at LifePoint Church, who were part of LifePoint Church serving last year, I believe that 120 is going to help us make a difference in LifePoint Church, but more importantly, this community, more importantly, this region, and I think God's going to use us globally. It's coming. Get ready for it. I believe it's going to happen. Amen? Our goal is to have 225 Dream Team members who are actively serving at LifePoint Church this year. 225. Our goal is to get, to get us to where we are serving twice a month. Twice a month we're serving at LifePoint Church. Some people are serving right now once a month. That's fine. Please continue to do so. Some people serve on our special events committee. Please continue to do so. But we believe God's going to raise up leaders in LifePoint Church. We want to empower you to lead. That's why coming to the Dream Team Rally on February 8th at 5 o'clock is important because we're going to teach you a leadership ladder that we've been working on for the last eight months as a staff and as a team that's going to empower you to continue to go forward to reach and build one life at a time because people matter. Are you with me? Are you still with me? Listen to me, I could mention the setup and takedown team, I could mention the production and media team, nursery team, I could mention the seven different branches of teams that we have and everything that falls underneath those seven branches of the 182 people that faithfully serve in some capacity at LifePoint Church. But I just want you to know, if I don't mention your name, that's not important because God has it recorded in heaven. God has it all recorded in heaven, amen? And your works will follow you to glory. They will.
But there is one ministry that I want to highlight today. And that's our student ministry led by Nate and Melissa Ferris. When you start a church, which we did from ground, ground zero, from scratch, you have people coming who really have very little or no relationship together whatsoever. See, as we grow together, we grow as a family. We grow as a community. You're starting to get to learn more people as we continue to grow. But when you start off that way, it's, it's very hard. Usually what happens in a church is you have, um, obviously, kids who start in nursery, and then they get into preschool, and they just continue to go through and move through until they get into the student ministry, and then student ministry, young adults, and so on and so forth. Well, starting up, you don't have that. So it's hard to create that community, especially among students. Anybody have any teenagers? Anybody raised any teenagers? Help us, Jesus. <sighs> so what we said was, we got to do something about this. We got to connect our students. So we started a class in, in July of this year not knowing what it was gonna look like, basically with three or four students. Today, this class meets every Sunday in our 930 service. They come in for worship, and then they go out and they have their class. Today, this class meets every week, and there's anywhere between 20 and 30 students that are gathering together and doing life together. I forgot to say this in the first service, but I'll mention it now. They also meet on Wednesday night in our new place, and uh, so they meet on Wednesday night. So we encourage you to get, if you have a teenager, to get them involved, get them plugged in. They need it as well. And sometimes they're going to come kicking and screaming because they're teenagers. But get them apart to be a part of it and watch and see what God will do. And so I just, I, I just want to recognize some guys. We have a great team that are leading this charge. Nate Ferris, as I mentioned, Kevin Barrett, who also is part of our teaching team on Sunday morning. Josh Vincent, who's part of our teaching team on Sunday morning. Jeremy Barris, who was in the first service. Paul is, is Paul here? He's back here doing something. Paul Fessler, who, who uh, works with the students on Wednesday night, all of these has stepped up and said, I want to pour into the students of LifePoint Church, and they're doing a phenomenal job. Would you put your hands together and let them know how much you appreciate them? <laughs> President Lyndon B. Johnson was visiting NASA, and he witnessed a custodian working. And he went over, and this is what he said. He said, I, I've been watching you since I've been here. And he said, I've never seen anyone take so much pride in their work. He said, you are the best custodian I have ever seen. And the custodian turned and he said, well, thank you, Mr. President. I really do appreciate your kind comments. He said, um, but I also want you to know that I'm not just a custodian. He said, I helped put a man on the moon. It's not just greeting. It's not just nursery. It's not just set up and take down. It's not just handing a bulletin. Listen, there's a greater purpose behind the, all of it. You have to see the big picture. What you're doing is you are helping transform lives, changing lives, 
that's a good place to give God praise. You're helping transform lives. And really, you're making an impact on somebody's eternity. Now, you let, let that sink in for a minute. What you do is impacting where someone is going to spend eternity. I hope you never, ever look at what you're doing the same way again. I hope you find the why behind what you do. Why am I doing this? Because I want, I want as many people to experience God and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, find community, be able to be discipled and groomed and grow, grow in the faith, find their place of service in the kingdom of God to make a difference. And how many of you know LifePoint Church is making a difference in people's lives? And to God be the glory. Is Jim playing for me? Jim, if you'll come, I'll, I'll land this plane. You got it. We're adding a fourth G. We're going to be 4G at LifePoint Church. I know we still got to catch up, but we're going to be 4G at LifePoint Church. God. And the fourth G is generosity. On the bulletin that you received today, there's a handout of how many different things we were able to do as far as outreach goes at LifePoint Church. I looked at that and, and I'm just, and I thank God for our outreach team. And, and I just, I felt like the Lord checked me and, and said, you need to step up. You're asking, you're asking people to give but as the leader of this church, you need to be willing to give out as well. And, and not that I don't give out, I'm just trying to say as a church collectively, I wanna be known as a giving church, not a taking church. Because we all know there are people out there that have that mindset, all they want is your money. I'm not trying to take something from you, I'm trying to get something to you. And the sooner you learn that, the better off you're going to be. Because when you let go of what's in this hand, God lets go of what is in his hand. And it's always greater than what's in your hand. You know what I'm talking about. So last year, our giving financially was up 25% from the previous year. Your generosity in dollars showed up to be 500 and $61,766 is what you gave to LifePoint Church last year. We're believing God for $700,000 this year to continue to do ministry. How many of you know that as you grow, so does your <laughs> expenses, right? Your expenses. Now that we're homeowners, you mean we gotta fix that? We gotta change that? Yeah. How much was that electric bill? There's nobody in this building. Come back and reread that. 
out of that 561,000, 170,000 plus was envisioned building fund offering. That's how much you gave to the building fund last year. Our goal going into that year was 150, going, last year was $150,000. How many of you know God always goes above and beyond what we think we can do? He really does. Remember when Jesus was coming in, into Jerusalem, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, they were going to crucify him five days later. He told his disciples, he said, you're going to go into town, you're going to find a donkey. I want you to bring that donkey and bring it to me. He said, if anyone asks you, just tell him the master has need of him, of it. The Bible says it was a lowly donkey. Jesus came in on a low rider. I thought it, it always works up here, never out there. He entered that city on this donkey. And I felt like the Holy Spirit quickened me and just said, Jesus will show up in our communities on the generosity of ordinary people. Your giving is going to bring Jesus to our community. How many of you know our community needs Jesus? Come on, I said, how many of you know our community needs Jesus? In other words, it's love in action. It's love in action. That's what generosity is. It's love in action. For God so loved the world, he gave. There's a family in our church, Carmen and Amanda. I think Amanda's probably serving. Carmen, would you raise your hand? They came to our church back in September, looking, wanting to grow and know God better. Immediately got plugged in and went to growth track. I want you to follow them now. Went to growth track, out of growth track, into groups, from groups, into gifts, serving. From serving, took our financial peace class that Robin Kristen will offer twice uh, uh, this year for you. Took the financial peace class, started down the area of generosity in their giving, and they are 4G members of LifePoint Church. Would you stand with me? And nobody leaving yet, I just want you to stand. It's important because the Holy Spirit's about to do something in this room. And we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit, so you need to be still right now. Because I take this very serious. I'm going to stand before God, and one day I will give an account for everything I've taught. Every word I'll be judged on. All of us will. It's in the Bible. I'm going to give an account. God's going to hold me accountable. He's going to hold all of us accountable for what we did. 
there's some things prophetically that the Lord shared with me. I'm not going to be able to share it today. I'll share it with you as the weeks go on. I shared a little bit with the first service, but I don't feel led to go there today. I'm going to pray with you, but I want our uh, trustees, their spouses, I want our staff, I want our elders to come and gather in this altar. said is there anyone in your life that's close enough to you that when you cry out for help they can hear you because in my spirit there are people in this room right now that you're crying out and you feel like nobody's nobody can hear you you're crying out help there are people in this room that you feel like you've cried out so many times that and it's gone unnoticed that you're like, I'm not going to even cry out anymore because nobody cares. It doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you in the spirit, I hear your cry. I hear it. You're crying, help, help. And God is saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here to help. The first thing, the first thing that I want you to do, and I want you to close your eyes. If you're in this room and you're crying out for help and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not serving him, maybe you're backslidden on him. but you're crying out for help this morning. As a matter of fact, you came here saying, this is, this is my last ditch effort. I'm crying. I need God. I need you, Lord. And you've heard the whisper that he doesn't even care, but that's a lie. He cares. If that's you, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate. I need to recommit my life. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Would you lift your hand up right where you're at? Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just shoot it up there. Don't be, don't be afraid. Just shoot it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. It's okay. At this church, we value you. You matter to us. More importantly, you matter to God. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus died for you so that you wouldn't have to die and go to a devil's hell. If you lifted your hand, and it may be your first time in this church, it may be your 10th or 100th, it doesn't matter. If you lifted your hand, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be intimidated, but I want you to move out of your seat right where you're at, and I want you to join me in this altar quickly. Come on. Don't think about it. Just come. One, two, three, come. Come on. As they come, church, put your hands together. Come on, church. Come on. Here they come. Here they come. Here they come. Come on. Here they come. Come on. Squeeze in. 
Squeeze in. Come on. Come on. I hear you. I hear you. Some of you have said, I've responded to this call so many times. I've responded to this call so many times that, that grace is not there for me. Don't you buy into that lie. I failed God so many times. He cannot possibly forgive me. Don't you buy into that lie. Now, one more time, if you're not up here and you want to be up here, just come on. I'm going to pray with you in 30 seconds. But God is extending grace and mercy to you right here. Come on. Come on. Anyone else? And I'm not just doing this to get as many people. I want you to join me in heaven. Come on, somebody. If you have to make this altar a hobby horse until you get there, make it happen. God will give you the victory. I'm praying in 20 seconds. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want you to stretch your hands this way, church. Everybody stretch your hands this way. This is why we do what we do. This is why we do what we do. You matter. I want you to know something. You matter. You're precious in God's sight. You're his child. He loves you with an everlasting love. There's nothing you'll ever do that will separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. And I hear Jeremiah 29, 11 over your life right now. For I know the plans that I have towards you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. For the Holy Spirit would say, your best is not behind you, but the best is yet to come. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, joy is going to be your partner in 2020. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's going to flood your soul and your spirit. <laughs> and people are going to look at you and ask, why are you so happy? Because of Jesus. Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to pray? Come on, lift your voice. You have to say it. I can't do it for you. Dear Jesus.